Mainstream media is dominated by the right and the left. The majority in the middle are left without a voice. You've reached the Conservative Hippie Podcast, a common sense look at life, the universe, and everything. Here's your host, Jay Frat, the Conservative Hippie. All right, I am, I'm here, I'm excited about this conversation. I have A.J. Cook, the one and only, the anti-journalist journalist. He's a ghostwriter, he writes for National File. You can find him on Twitter at A.J. Cook, with an E, 1776. Very first question, A.J., what is a ghostwriter? Are you some sort of, like, <laughs> are you a hidden speechwriter? What, what is this tag in your byline I, I find everywhere, ghostwriter? Uh, thanks for having me on, Jay. Well, um, basically what that means is I write uh, mostly, I write um, for candidates, uh, mostly candidates, uh, some charities, some nonprofits. Um, I write various things. Most of what I write is fundraising copy. So emails or letters, things like that. And I sign it with somebody else's name. So uh, most of the time when people say ghostwriter, they, uh, they're talking about uh, writing somebody else's autobiography, which, uh, yeah, apparently that's what, you know, Obama did. Like, how many freaking autobiographies did he write? Um, quote unquote, he wrote, I, I don't know, man. beats me, but, uh, yeah, I do have one project like that, which is kind of stalled right now, but, um, but that's okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. You're, you're like a deep state political operative right there. AJ cook. <laughs> that's you. I've got you on the line. Uh, this is great. I can't wait for you to solve all the questions we have with your sure. deep state knowledge. Um, sure thing brother yeah no I'm, i am not even remotely uh I'm, i mean like i'm i'm uh halfway connected with uh you know some some people on like the freedoms caucus you know side of the political equation if you catch my drift yeah if, if, but like and if we yeah have no to, only have one to, of them actually knows me by name if we have to <laughs> en- maybe if, two if we have to enunciate it maybe you've had some fundraising political copy uh make it to some brochures at the cpac conference um i maybe honestly i i wouldn't i wouldn't know but you just, you just i can't tell you that i raised uh about let's say six point four six point three a million gross for Republican candidates over the last cycle. Wow. And uh, yeah, that was my first two years doing it. Which, deep, uh, deep state operative cool. heavy hitter. <laughs> you're a heavy hitter. Well, you're, you're up there with uh, <sighs> your, your, uh, your opposite. You're a mirrored image of Ed Buck. I hope you don't have, uh, I hope you don't have his uh, proclivities. Uh, Ed Buck being the um, Adam, uh, Oh yeah. Adam Schiff uh, gentleman uh, in jail now for, uh, yeah, did didn't he like kill a bunch of like black gay escorts? Yes. Uh, well, like, they by, weren't. By no, no. Up? Uh, they were. Or was that they a were different hom- guy? Homeless gentlemen that he would entice oh, yeah. with crystal meth. He would overdose yeah. them on crystal meth. Uh, do whatever he wanted to do, and and you know a couple of them died, and <laughs> and he got he got off after like one or two died. Because of how well he can, was connected in South South California, yeah. you know, when you get to two or three, uh, the law enforcement tends not to uh, look past it anymore. So yeah. yes, I, yeah, that is um, that is a surprising development that you know. So now we know. Now we know what the line is. Yes, for yes. a Democrat mega donor to go to jail. Yes. 
<laughs> you you know, massive mega bundler dude. It's, like you you need to kill three dudes. And, and, like and three maybe, dudes that you're molesting. Maybe and two from my sex. memory. Maybe two from my memory. But certainly yeah, maybe not two. one. I don't know. One, At least, well, yeah, exactly. It can't just be one. One like is, one. There's a there's a there's a free pass. Yes, Mulligan. Absolutely. They they probably play golf. <laughs> exactly. you know, it's a mulligan. All right. Um, um, so I've brought you on because I, I really liked an article you wrote about the recent um, Durham indictment uh, of Michael Sussman, uh, Perkins Cooey attorney uh, involving the uh, not Russiagate, don't call it Russiagate, involving the Spygate investigation. And one of the things I liked about it, and we, we were kind of joking offline about journalism, and I called you the anti-journalist because uh, I figured you would like that, is, is you approached it and you gave like, okay, here's some facts. Here's a couple different ways of looking at it. Here's the ways they could go. Here's some speculation. I'm going to quote somebody with, uh, you quoted uh, the guy, uh, the Google whistleblower, Voorhees, who may have had an axe to grind. So he said, ah, oh, I bet you that's uh, uh, Eric Schmidt. Um, but what I liked about it was the way you approached it, because in this fire hose of information and what we've been dealing with now for five years, uh, it seems that all of the articles you get, you have to almost read it, try to figure out the lens, the narrative in which they were trying to feed you, and then read it again with that lens in mind. I didn't get a narrative lens from you, and I really appreciate that writing. Well, thank you for saying so. And you know what? Before we get to anything else, I'd like to give you you know, just a sneak preview, because this perfectly, perfectly encapsulates what you're getting at. Um, and for, for your listeners, uh, just, just in general, uh, yeah, really, let's, let's be honest. I'm not a real journalist. What I am is I, I approach this as a hobby because I care about the truth and a real journalist, somebody who like actually makes a living doing this stuff generally doesn't have the time to fully research a nerdy and complex topic, let alone build up the um, knowledge base necessary to parse it into plain English. Um, I just happen to be a giant nerd and I do this stuff, you know, in my free time anyway. I, you know, for instance, the, um, wasn't the, uh, the Horowitz report. It's freaking 300 pages and like nobody freaking read that. I'm probably one of the, you know, couple hundred people in the country that have, have read that damn thing. Yeah. Other than, you know, a bunch of, bunch of journalists read like the first page of the executive summary. That's what journalists do. So, like, I guess what I am is I'm I consider myself more of a reporter than a journalist because I think journalists are scum. Here's the example. So, um, uh, Daily Mail and a cup and Breitbart, um, they ran articles uh, last week about um, a uh, leaked um, set of uh, of funding proposals from EcoHealth Alliance and the Wuhan lab in China. Now, are you familiar with this at all, Jay? Uh, I am, yes. All right, so are you familiar with the proposals? Uh, no, please, lead us down this path. Uh, Wuhan lab, right. I'm familiar with level four. Uh, you're talking about uh, EcoHealth. That is yeah. the, the funding mechanism, at least that's what we're being told. That's the funding mechanism of, was it uh, the NIH? N-A-I-D? Yes. Uh, some, one of those, right? N-I-A-I-D. N-A-I-D. Yeah. No, actually, I used to work at the NIH. It's, um, yep, that's that's a thing. It's, yep, it was, uh, and, and so I'm... I'm 
So one of the things that I like to do as a reporter is to just break things down into the component parts that are actually helpful to know. Mm-hmm. So what's, help, what's helpful to know here is that um, back during the Obama administration, uh, they passed a ban on gain-of-function research. Uh, gain-of-function research is research that is designed to increase the effectiveness. So either the um, virulency, the you know infectiousness, the uh, uh, deadliness, the symptomatic you know nature of a disease, which is breathtakingly stupidly dangerous. Now, the reason why people um, want to do gain-of-function research, um, other than the fact that they're mad scientists and they're insane and they just want to do it because it's cool and they want to get published, they want to get Nobel Prizes, um, is they're saying like, oh, well, you know, if we study, um, if we create, intentionally create deadly, like world-threatening pandemics in a lab, then we can use that knowledge of how to create them in order to stop deadly pandemics from happening in the future. Yes. Which, um, and game of function has been like a thing since the U S for instance, just, just throwing this out there, uh, banned, uh, bioweapons research. That, that's um, right. They because just, they just changed the yeah. name. I've actually done a podcast exactly. on this, uh, spies, lies, greed, and COVID-19, something like that. You got it. So yes. So NIAID, uh, they, uh, you know, in in the um, <laughs> in in the Obama administration, they banned the practice. But the problem is, is that these bureaucrats uh, they uh, came up with all these rules for like, oh yeah, what's gain of function and what isn't. So what Fauci did is he set up this mechanism where um, he was funding EcoHealth Alliance, which is a I guess it's a uh, some nonprofit kind of thing in New York which was in turn funding the Wuhan lab to do research that is so breathtakingly dangerous like we wouldn't do it in America because it's insane. Um, people would go to the Washington Post and they'd freak the hell out, but they can get away with the stuff in China because they're, you know, a um, oligarchic, commie fascist dictatorship um, where they have like zero value on human life whatsoever. So they're, they're, what they were doing is they're like, oh yeah, no, we're not technically... Um, weaponizing viruses, what we're doing is we're taking this existing virus in nature and then um, creating hundreds of different strains of this virus to see which one of them just kind of magically turns into a bioweapon. And uh, and they're like, yeah, technically this isn't gain of function because we're not intentionally creating bioweapon. We're just creating hundreds of viruses to see which ones become bioweapons. Un- under the guise, I mean, if, in full truthfulness, under the guise that they can then study it and be better prepared if when uh, there is a jump um, in nature. So th- again, yes. th- that, that under the guise, that's why they're doing it, is to be better prepared. Uh, if that ever does happen, boom, we've been doing this research and we're ready. All right, so tell yes. us about this. You're, you're leading this example. So what was this article it was in breitbart so the article yeah right, there we go is they actually proposed um a practical use for their insane you know dystopian nightmare research they said hey what we want to do is we want to um uh essentially create a uh, a therapeutic that we can put in cans and go into these bat caves and spray the bats 
And uh, the therapeutic would basically take their knowledge of what kinds of viruses would go pandemic from a bat to a human and then use that knowledge to inoculate the bats against a disease that would jump to us, which actually sounds pretty freaking cool. And uh, that would actually halfway justify some of the insane crap that they were doing. Uh Um, But uh, so that was the lead of both the stories for um, Breitbart and Daily Mail was that, uh, you know, there's a leaked, you know, proposal that Wuhan lab, they wanted to spray a bunch of bats with like COVID, you know, particles, antigens, freaking whatever. I, I don't know. Oh, these, these Which, scientific um, angels getting out ahead of it, going one layer yeah. even deeper than I just proposed, and actually going out and proactively preventing the bats from getting this disease that could jump. Yes, exactly. So that that th- that actually kind of makes sense. It would basically be vaccinating the bats against a virus that hasn't evolved yet. Yes. Which is, honestly, that, that sounds kind of cool. What they didn't mention was that uh, so yes this was a funding proposal to darpa and darpa said hell no like no this isn't the thing because one of the other things that they proposed in this funding proposal is like uh in order to um uh basically create this let's say like you know a sprayable bat vaccine um to keep the bats from ever developing a virus that could jump to humans one of the things we're going to do, we, the Wuhan lab and EcoHealth Alliance, is we're going to weaponize SARS and MERS by adding, um, quote-unquote, human-specific cleavage sites, which, among other things. So, in other words, um, if I don't know if you've brought up to your listeners the furin cleavage site. Yep. I, don't know, I don't know if that's even yep. how to pronounce but, but it, yeah. I, I haven't specifically, but but I've heard about that recently where that is basically the marker um, that the scientists say the varin cleavage site and the and the the look of the virus there and how it reacts, that's how they know it was man-made. That's like the, the oh. tag, the telltale sign. Well, it's it's uh how can I say this? Um it's not quite like a smoking gun. But it's a cold gun, you know, not exactly smoking, but it's it's still a freaking gun. So it's like if um, so when, you know, MERS first uh, started on the scene, um, it's like uh, somebody um, breaking through your window to get into your house. Um, When same thing with SARS, same thing with, you know, a lot of these, you know, uh, uh, cross species viruses. Uh, but COVID-19 just jumped on the scene perfectly or, or very well adapted to infect humans. And one of those things is that it, um, it binds with this, uh, you know, furin cleavage site. Um, it essentially is a, uh, it, it showed up, instead of busting through your window to break into your house, it showed up with a key to your house. Yes. And, um, and so, like, eh, you know, it showed up to, with a key to your house. It is plausible that this this burglar just just happened to um, just have have like uh, a bazillion keys or something, you know, just uh, and then, you know, was messing around with keys and just 
magically found the one that could bust into your house and then, you know, showed up a thousand miles away from where it originally started. And there's no evidence that he, you know, took, uh, you know, had uh, any kind of trouble getting into your house or, or, you know, did any, um, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Sorry. In other words, it's not like a complete smoking gun that this was a man-made virus. Uh, it's just one of those things that uh, people who have been talking about have been saying, if you wanted to weaponize a virus against humans, this is what you do with it. Like mm -hmm. the first thing you do is add a furin cleavage site. So, so there you go. Um, in other words, people, scientists have been wondering why does COVID-19 have a furin cleavage site? And here we have a funding proposal where we're like, hey, we're going to take SARS and add a furin cleavage site which is basically what COVID-19 is. And you're saying that um, proposal they made to DARPA and DARPA said no. I'm trying I'm yeah. trying to follow along uh, where, where you were talking. We were talking about journalism and anti-journalism. And then you mentioned the Breitbart uh, um, ad. What was the other company that put uh, Politico? No, oh, no, this was uh, Daily Mail. Daily Mail. But yeah, no, to me, the idea was uh, to, to me like, OK, it's still good journalism. I'm glad that they printed these articles. But at the same time, um, the, the headline of the article shouldn't be that they wanted to go and spray bat populations with weird science stuff. Yes, that's actually cool. That was actually a pretty freaking good idea. Um, at least it sounded like um, at first blush. No, but they were I get it. The basically. The headline. Yeah, they were writing the article as if like this is like weird, crazy science. And then at the bottom of the article is, oh, yeah, by the way, they were talking about adding um, human, quote unquote, human specific cleavage sites to SARS and MERS. And, you know, adding a human specific cleavage site to SARS is basically what COVID-19 is. If COVID-19, instead of being SARS-like, it was MERS-like, um, MERS had uh, a like 30 percent mortality rate that would have been a an actual world ending pandemic that would have justified all of the tyrannical stuff that we're seeing across the world right now that would have justified you know if you've ever played the um pandemic video game you know it's just yeah shut down all the planes every, you know yeah lock down madagascar it's it's over like humanity is dead unless every single person just like hides because it would be the new black death. If, if COVID-19 had been like MERS, which is literally what the Wuhan lab and this guy, Peter Daszak, Eco Health, Health Alliance, who's Fauci's friend and ally, uh, who was funded by the NIH, if his plan had gone through and they had created like COVID-like weaponized MERS, in the Wuhan lab, which, from what I understand, had um, biosafety protocols um, about as stringent as your typical dentist's office. Um, if they had done that, and that had been what broke out in Wuhan, it could have ended civilization as we know it. I love it. So here we are. This is, uh, again, A.J. Cook. Uh, on the line. He is a freelance writer. Uh, right now, he's writing for National File. Uh, do you have a contract with them, or, or is it just they, they'll pick up uh, things that you write, and maybe sometimes you go to another organization? Uh, what's your relationship with National File? I don't have a contract with them. I'm just, I'm on their Slack, though. 
Okay. So I, I call myself a National File reporter. Is it is it and, like zero uh, zero yeah. hedge? Whereas National File will pick up some of your writing. Does it actually appear elsewhere, or do you write things specifically for um, an organization? All right. So this is a terrible confession. Um, I, I know that some of my stuff gets uh, put on on Revolver. I don't even know what Revolver is. I have no <laughs> idea. Is that like is that like a new drudge or something? I don't know. So yeah, kind yeah. of, kind of. So AJ, yeah. just to clue people in, I've got a bit of an affinity for AJ because uh, I contacted him on Twitter. I did I did my own little citizen journalist research. Found him on Twitter. Said, hey, I, I like your article. He's not verified. Uh, uh, he has less followers than I do on Twitter. I kept looking at every byline. I researched back. I researched AJ's uh, articles, and every time I'd find. AJ Cook with this with this cool bio, you know, he's a he's a diplomat kid and this and that. But no a hostage brat. Host, yeah. yeah. No, but no link to anything. No, no link to his <laughs> Substack, no link to his Twitter, no link anywhere. And I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta figure out who this ghostwriter is. Um and and there you were. It was actually you on Twitter. Uh, I swear, we got to get a hold of National File and tell them it's in your bio for them. They've got a link to your Twitter. We've got to get you above me in follower count. Darn it. I, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'll talk to Tom Pappert about that. Are, are you familiar with Tom Pappert at all? No, no. Yeah, so he, he's he's my editor-in-chief. And, um, yeah, he and I kind of go way back. Uh, he was the guy behind the original um, uh uh, God Emperor Trump meme page and meme groups on Facebook. And uh, he eventually, you know, and he did that in freaking college. And he eventually parlayed that into being one of the most like edgy and um, effective uh, right wing uh, journalists and, you know, uh, entrepreneurs in the space uh, in, in, you know, in the U.S., uh, so, you know, yeah, National File has broken a lot of really great stories. Um, the one that uh, you contacted me over, unfortunately, that was not a great scoop. I'm pretty sure it looks like I got that story wrong. And we just found out that out in the last couple hours. But yeah, yeah. But let, uh, let's, yeah, no, uh, let's get into maybe I'll it. ask him like, hey, should I should, we should probably put our our social media info on our profiles. You but probably at the same time, should. Like, be, yeah, being honest, man, like. You know, are we really sure that Twitter is even going to be around in the next couple months? <laughs> All right. Like, you know, are we going to get banned from Twitter? We're still on Twitter right now, barely. I I but don't like, know. Then how, there's you know. I don't know how I'm on Twitter, uh, but I I I don't <laughs> think Twitter will ever go away. It'll just become it'll just become a divisive argument between bots, between controlled bots <laughs> on both sides. Nobody will ever pay yeah. attention to it or watch it. It'll just be bots going back and forth, uh, ranking ranking other bot articles. So let's so let's get into this because you're right. You you were mistaken. You you put out uh, uh, a theory, but let's get into this. So so Michael. Sussman uh, was indicted by John Durham. Um, I want yes. I want to go back. I want to go back a ways because uh, my audience uh, is very broad, and I've got normies, I've got liberals, I've got conservatives. So we're going to in, uh, annoy the conservatives for a second and try to give this backstory real quick. Uh, John Durham was tapped by Bill Barr after it was very clear, I believe it was, it was very, it was, this was after the Mueller report, and it was very clear that all of the, uh, 
all of the Steele dossier and all of the Russiagate stuff was actually Spygate. And there were nefarious, um, I, I want to say, port of entries for the um, Steele dossier and just the whole way that Russiagate became a thing. So John Durham was tapped, uh, later made a special prosecutor by Bill Barr. And this is the second time he's kind of popped his head up. The first one, uh, he indicted uh, Kevin Klein-Smith with the FBI. Um, He did a dirty thing. He went and changed uh, an actual email. He went in and actually changed the email. An attorney for the FBI changed an email to say Carter Page was not... Uh, a source of the CIA instead of is a source for the CIA. So that got him a slap on the wrist, and everybody was kind of wondering, this Durham report, after years of uh, horrendous leaks being used by the media, false leaks, anonymous leaks being used by the media, it's been amazing how leak-free the Durham investigation has been. So he gets Kleinsmith, okay, and, and people say, oh, is this it? Uh, just a slap on the wrist, because we all know uh, there was actual culpability. It's, it's very clear. People have written books on it. Um, I would recommend if you want to look in, if you need to look into it more. I thought Bongino gave a good podcast rendition during those years of Spygate. Uh, John Solomon was always right there on the tip. Um, who's another? Uh, Ross? Uh, what's what's Ross's first name? Uh, the writer who's been on top of it. Mm. Um, I don't know, but you... uh, Margot Cleveland's been pretty great over at the Federalist. Yeah, Margot. I'm Cleveland. not actually. Yeah, I'm not actually a friend of hers or anything. I'm just a fan. I'm just a friggin' fanboy. So, but there, so, so there have yeah. been journalists, there have been reporters that are on this case since since the beginning. So Durham gets Klein-Smith. Everybody worries that that's all he's going to do. Uh, COVID happens, and we hear that it's slow going, right? Now, all of a sudden, he pops up, and he indicts Michael Sussman, lawyer for Perkins Coie. You tell me from your perspective, did you see this as a really big indictment, or uh, did you you just uh, kind of shrug your shoulders and say, ah, it's another small fish like Kleinsmith. Um, The way that I see this is a sacrificial lamb that um, is, I don't think that this is an indication that uh, the dam is breaking. I don't see this as an indication that Durham has been like the hero all along. And, you know, he's going to, you know, come in on a white charger and save the day like no no i don't think any of that crap is happening and uh it's a bummer too because i was really uh excited about uh durham in mid to late 2019 um i knew his name before before it was cool to believe in durham and uh yeah by the time uh december 2019 rolled around and nothing was happening and yeah no that was it like it was it wasn't nothing was going to happen um and uh once you know 2020 really got underway it was clear that nothing was going to happen i think that now it's there's there's enough distance from elections that he can do some basic things um i'm i'm not sure if 
He's got secret grand juries doing cool stuff. Maybe he's tried to do stuff in grand juries and the DC jury pool is just so completely corrupted by partisanship that uh, nobody will go forward with anything. I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's happening. doesn't sound like it's happening. Um, now, I, I think that this is just, it looks like a slam dunk. Um, the the indictment itself reads like a conspiracy indictment. It doesn't read like a making false statements indictment. Okay, okay so hang it, hang on a second there, AJ, because because you it. started out you started out with uh, you're skeptical. You're you're mm. it's you sound extremely skeptical. Like this, nope, Jay. Yeah. This is he's just basically getting this one little fish. He's already been fired by Perkins Coie. They're gonna give him a slap on the wrist too, and they're gonna be able to explain it all the way. But then. You mention one of the anomalies of this indictment is it's 27 pages for a false claims charge. So, so go yeah. ahead, explain the significance of that. Well, that's the thing is that we don't know. At this point, there could be a number of different, different explanations for why Durham would charge this guy with basically, you know, the equivalent of a traffic ticket for clearly engaging in a, in a conspiracy to uh, defraud the FBI, to derail the 2016 election, to smear a presidential candidate. And he did this in conspiracy, not just with a major corporate figure who weaponized non quote unquote, this is actually in the indictment, uh, exploited non-public data. In other words, he abused um, private user data from this this tech company, uh, used that to um, smear Trump with the FBI in concert with the Clinton campaign. Like that is huge. In any sane world, that would be a conspiracy indictment. I don't know if he just doesn't want to make that case or if this is just his way of throwing red meat to um, people like us, people who want to, you know, find out the real truth. It's like, okay, well, you know, this guy's going to get a traffic ticket, but at least you're going to know what happened. At least, you know, you have something for, you know, we have something for Dinesh D'Souza to write books about. Um, we don't have, uh, <laughs> we, we don't have any practical reform to our FBI, which is completely corrupted at this point, uh, let alone our intelligence services. Um Horowitz, you know, we I mentioned him before, uh, the uh, inspector general uh, just uh, apparently put out another report uh, either today or yesterday uh, detailing that, yeah, there's there's basically been zero reform of the uh, uh, domestic surveillance uh, situation in the United States, um, even after four years of Trump, even after, you know, Bill Barr. Yeah. No, I'm I'm sorry, man. I'm just here with the black pills. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But okay, I, I appreciate the skepticism. Uh it, that's almost what's so interesting about Durham is the mystery that still surrounds it. And that's one of the things that impresses me is the lack of leaks. 
Um, because if we, if you remember during the Mueller investigation, there was one anonymous leak after another that really kind of almost like the media was leading the investigation along uh, with all these false parameters. You know, Adam Schiff would say something or leak something to somebody. Next thing you know, we'd have a week of stories that wasn't that weren't actually true. Now, with the Durham investigation, what I found interesting is there have been no leaks, um, at least very few. But uh, would you agree with that, that it's been a very tight ship of communications? I would say it's a tight ship of communications um, in some ways that is encouraging. But in other ways, it's really easy not to leak anything if you're not doing anything. And one thing that um, that I'm, I'm hearing from my my sources, such as they are, is that they're, they're, they basically did absolutely nothing in the entirety of 2020. Um, yeah, no, Durham was completely useless. And at the time, his office did put something out um, saying that, oh, yeah, you know, we, you know we're, we're delayed by COVID-19, which is, yeah, it's a great way of uh, saying essentially that whatever, you know, team of FBI agents that you've got tasked on the job just decided that they wanted to stay home and watch porn rather than, like, investigate what happened to our republic in 2016. Yeah, um, possible. I'm going to try to quote your article here because at the very end, I believe you you end with an interesting line, something about yet. Um, I can't find that quote right now in front of me, and I don't want to uh, search for it. Durham had subpoenas uh, issued today, so the the storyline did advance in terms of Perkins Coie and trying to get to the bottom of this relationship. I do think it's interesting. I thought Sussman was a very interesting first target. If we can see it from all these different perspectives, which might be why it's taken so long, because you've got the FBI corruption, then you've got the DNC relationship with Perkins Coie. Isn't it strange how Perkins Coie is the um, law firm of so many of these connected characters and entities? Um, at one point, well, yeah. I, re- I go ahead. Well, absolutely. Uh, in fact, um, what's clear from the indictment um, and from what we know um, about uh, the Steele dossier, um, Perkins Coie, this law firm, was the clearinghouse for the entire Trump-Russia disinformation operation. Uh, it was run on behalf of Hillary Rodham Clinton. And while we don't necessarily have any smoking guns, uh, there um, there are plenty of people who you know put down in writing that uh, you know she was she was aware that that this was in her orbit that this this came from her that the indications are there. Um, but regardless, the the people who handled all of this crap were the lawyers, which on the one hand is generally smart because it's pretty hard to get a lawyer to testify against their client. And that's something that the Clintons are really great at is finding ways to make witnesses not help or disappear, make evidence disappear. And uh, yeah, having lawyers in the mix definitely helps. But um, if you have a lawyer 
who is coordinating all of your illegal activity, and then that comes to light, then yes, it is possible. It is possible for a competent and dedicated investigator to roll up the entire operation. That's that's where I just can't take the white pill yet because yeah. I, I don't I don't know if Durham is that guy, because honestly, if he was that guy, where the hell was he in early 2020? Where the hell was he in you know late 2019? I, I can appreciate um, that. But this this. And, I, and I'm trying to think, I, I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not an investigator, and I've never worked for the Justice Department or been a prosecutor. And so I'm trying to figure out, wh- when you've got the CIA connected through the five eyes, and you've got FBI corruption, and you've got this law firm that seems to be this uh, uh, this central hub for the Clinton campaign and the uh, Fusion GPS, and oh, by the way, CrowdStrike, and you've got all of these connections, how would you go about? bringing this conspiracy charge and it and I don't want to I don't want to be so skeptical that I think that in the absence of um, indictments and work that they haven't been doing uh, their job because it does seem like uh, Rico charges could come of this grand conspiracy charges one of the things you pointed out in your article was it's 27 pages long it could lead to conspiracy charges I think one of the quotes are the the statute of limitations uh, begin after the conspiracy is over in other words everything might be ongoing they might have found uh, what they could be considered uh, an ongoing operation and they allowed uh, them to continue what they were doing, if you will. Um, yeah, that that uh, that was a quote from uh, Ivan Raiklin, who uh, okay. who is uh, he's an attorney. Uh, he's a former Green Beret. Uh, he's a very spicy guy, and so I knew that if I I wanted a spicy take, I could I could give him a call. Um, yeah, I I don't believe he has experience. Um, I, I don't believe he was ever a prosecutor. Uh, yeah, he does make a good point there. Um, this is something that, I don't know, from what I understand of the relevant uh, legal situation, um, basically, if, if 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 this hasn't been made clear to you, like America is not a country of laws anymore. Um, all, all of our, you know, our constitution, our federal code, it's basically toilet paper. Um, if the feds want to prosecute you for something, they can do it. They can do it any day of the week, and they can hold uh, you. Hunter Biden, and they can hold mm-hmm. you pending charges, hold you in jail oh, yeah. indefinitely. Oh, oh, they can't just hold you pending charges. Um, if you if they call you up right now, and and I know this because this this nearly happened to one of my sources after January six. Um, they can call you up, ask you to come into the local field office, and ask you to cooperate. If you walk into an FBI field office saying that you want to cooperate, they can just grab you and hold you as a cooperating witness against your will, basically indefinitely. Wow. You don't even have to be guilty of a crime. You don't have to be, you know, you, they don't even have to think that you're guilty of a crime. They just have to think that you know something, maybe, or something that might be useful or whatever. And like, yeah, okay, then you can get a lawyer and then whatever. But still, um, the so. Uh, one of the the common charges that were that was brought by um, uh, uh, by what's it called um, Durham the Mueller or Mueller yeah okay. the, the, yeah the Mueller team was a conspiracy against the United States 
and I believe that technically it's uh, it's actually it's conspiracy conspiracy to commit fraud against the United States, and the statute is kind of vague, and historically that statute has meant um, actually trying to defraud the United States of America, but um, what they've interpreted it as is anything that you do that makes things difficult for the government, um, that interrupts or um, uh, destabilizes a government process. So that was the charge for a lot of people that they accused of Trump-Russia collusion was that by colluding with Russia, you were committing conspiracy against the United States because you were doing things that might impact the election or something, whatever, whatever. Um, so, yeah, conspiracy against the United States, if, if it's that broad, Durham could charge everyone in the top ranks of the Clinton campaign. Um, the bottom line is, and I, I hate to say this because I hate to be this black pill, um, the good guys have had the tools this entire time in order to fight back, in order to get justice for what happened in 2016 and in the aftermath of 2016. That just hasn't happened. And it's it's kind of clear at this point that that hasn't happened because key people in the process have refused to go along with it. Because, I don't know, the most charitable explanation is that people on the more conservative side of the aisle don't want to, how can I say this, um, don't want to bend the rules. They don't want to, you know, stretch our already, you know, tattered uh, legal um, framework even further than it already is. So Democrats, when they're in power, they can just like grab people off the streets and stuff them in prison for, you know, months of the time without trial, put them in solitary confinement, beat them on a nightly basis. And, you know, conservatives will just, just freaking deal with it because, oh, well, that's democracy. They won an election. It was fair and square. That's what the news told me. And, um, and yeah, when Republicans are in charge, all of a sudden everything has to be by the book and whatever. Honestly, that's the charitable explanation. I'm not charitable, man. I'm not feeling in a charitable mood after years of this nonsense where um, the people who were plugging Durham were, were saying, and I, you know, I believed them at the time, I was really excited at the time, that, that Durham uh, was going to you know, do specific things within a specific time frame. That did not happen. Um, and it didn't happen despite all of the tools available to him and all of the popular will, at least on one side of the political aisle, for him to, ex at the minimum, expose the truth, even if he didn't actually um, prosecute anyone. Like, if, if at a minimum, you know, they just dumped the documents and proved that, you know, Russiagate was a myth, that would have been great. He didn't do that. Trump didn't do that. Nobody did that. Trump, did, <laughs> Trump didn't even pardon Snowden. Uh, didn't didn't pardon Snowden. Didn't pardon um, no, not Snowden. What's the other Assange? Guy? Um, Assange didn't a pardon Assange. Like this is this this is the, the truth is is that in in many ways we're kind of screwed. On the other hand, there is because we're screwed right now. That means the silver lining is there is an appetite for change, and more and more people are starting to say the truth. The truth. 
is that we can't um, wait for the FBI to just suddenly wake up and start doing its job and start going after the global pedophile elite, which, okay, I know that that's, you know, kind of a meme, but yeah. like freaking um, Hunter Biden, you know, and a, a certain female who may or may not be underage, you know, with the, with the little painted toenails, you know, I saw that video. I can never unsee it. And um, he calls her a particular name, which also happens to be name of a, an individual in his life who is underage and was texting him some really weird things. Yeah. Just saying like the FBI has had the, the goods on Hunter Biden for like, not just since like a month before the election for like a year before even that. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was 2019. Yes. All right. So sorry. My, my point being that, um, we can't wake up. We can't wait for the FBI to wake up. The FBI, the CIA, our federal law enforcement and intelligence apparatus needs to be not necessarily burned to the ground, but it needs to be completely fundamentally reformed. We cannot expect anything resembling justice until that happens. And so that's why I'm not going around handing out white pills, because even though it is remotely plausible that maybe maybe john durham just uh you know has has just had some issues you know maybe for instance so one, one plausible explanation maybe is that he wasn't able to bring indictments before because you know the uh the pool of jurors in dc because everything would have to be uh or a lot of things would have to be plausibly uh tried in dc which is overwhelmingly, ridiculously, breathtakingly blue. Um, maybe he just couldn't indict anybody because he couldn't build, you know, a case except for this one and the other one, which were such incredible slam dunks that, you know, and they were basically parking tickets, like that. That this is the only thing that he could could get past them. Yeah, you're that's, you're that's you're saying for the yeah, indict you're in, for the indictments he couldn't get a jury uh, to uh, to issue the indictments to go along with that. Yeah, it's it's plausible maybe, but I don't think so. That's not what that's not what people are saying. Um, and you know the the saying goes that a prosecutor can get um, a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. I, I don't, I, <laughs> but as I said, it is kind of plausible, but even then that would point not to our need to be, um, to keep the faith and keep hoping that our institutions are going to fix the problem. Because if that's the case, if, if the case is, is that our, you know, not necessarily our investigator or our prosecutor, but if our uh, grand jury process is effectively corrupted to the point where we can't even bring indictments to people where, you know, there is far more evidence that Hillary Clinton effectively ran a crime syndicate out of her campaign to derail the election. More evidence of that um, than any evidence ever that Donald Trump was involved with Russian yada yada. Um, if we can't do that, there needs to be fundamental reform. There needs to be completely new laws written. Um, we need to break down the FBI 
all of these federal agencies into component parts and rebuild them in a way that is transparent and that is responsive to um, the needs of Republicans and Democrats. It used to be that there was a balance between the two, that um, that, you know, the Bushies and the Clintonites, these were people that all cooperated in the federal bureaucracy because they all spoke this common language like those days are over. Um, the Bushies are still kind of in there, but the Bushies hated Trump, too. The Bushies, even knowing like how fascistic this entire thing was, they went along with it because honestly, let's be extremely real here. George Bush was a fascist. All the Bushes were fascists. Yes. And um, and and that's just where we are now. Is that um, it's it's there, there is no um, balance in our institutions, even if they are there are technically Republicans and Democrats in the FBI. Like there are obviously no patriots because if there were patriots, then none of this crap would have happened. If literally one guy in any of these rooms just stood up and said, like, "Hey guys, just so you know, you know, I'm looking at this stuff. I'm looking at this." Uh, this this indictment we've got. I'm looking at this uh, application for secret surveillance against a presidential campaign, and you know this this kind of looks kind of fishy. If one guy had said that, then we wouldn't have had any of this crap. But yeah, the fact that this happened just proves that we need fundamental reform. We need to just break it all down, build it back up. And and like I, the church committee from the seventies. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Bigger. And I and I and I feel I feel your frustration, and um, I I respect your skepticism, because that's that's all we have right now. You're 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 true to the reporter nature, right? And I can only deal with what's in front of me. I can only deal with the facts that I have. And I just want to try to try to give a synopsis really quick with the Sussman indictment. Uh, where Durham had attacked before and he got Kleinsmith, he basically picked out the absolute shining light of malfeasance, right? He, he, he picked out the Kleinsmith editing of the email. And he punished that, even if it was just a slap on the wrist. But it doesn't appear that he did anything more with it, because that was only one little part of a larger scheme of corruption within the FBI. So then yeah. now we move well, on. Well, it's also something that I believe that um, I.G. Horowitz had pointed out beforehand. Yes. So now— and, uh, so now yeah, we now sorry, we've moved ahead. on and we've got the Sussman indictment, right? His second action. And what he's gone after again is this shining light in the steel dossier of the most ridiculous part of it, the most fabricated part of it was the Alpha Bank server and Trump Tower commu secretly communicating with the Kremlin, right? And he's gone yep. after that. So in some ways, the skeptical person could be true in the fact that basically he's just going to go and get the obvious ones where clear shenanigans were at play while ignoring the broader conspiracy involving multiple organizations um, and characters. But at the same time, it might just be a long process where these are the first two and he gets leverage on him, and we don't know what's still left behind uh, in the Kleinsmith uh, portion of the investigation, and now he's going to kind of bring them together. Now, I appreciate that the speed in which this investigation should have 
uh, been is much quicker than it's turning out. Uh, but I, I just want to deal with what's in front of us and <laughs> what we have. And, and, and he's going after the, as you put it, slam dunks. He's going after the v- yeah. very easily provable um, where, where, where malfeasance occurred, where shenan- the shenan- they went beyond shenanigans. Now, I, I want to ask you this question because— No, you, you know, I'm, I'm going to be completely fair. Yeah. No, he went after the heart of the conspiracy because, like I said, Perkins Coie was the clearinghouse for all of the extremely obviously illegal um, Clinton campaign disinformation operation activities took place. And by the way, all right, so um, I mentioned Dinesh D'Souza earlier. Yes. You know, kind of making fun of him. I don't mean to be too mean. Like, so Dinesh D'Souza is, for, from what I know, literally the only person on the planet who has ever been put in a federal prison over um, a straw donation. So he asked uh, a friend of his or something to make a donation to a candidate because he'd already maxed out. This crap happens all the time. Usually it's a slap on the wrist. Usually it's a fine. He actually, I think, got like, you know, some prison time, maybe not too much, but uh, like obscene. This was the, this was just the obscene fascist shit that the Obama administration got away with on the regular. And there's never been any accountability, of course. But um, yeah. So, like, even putting aside all of this like conspiracy stuff, which is documented in the indictment. It is documented in the indictment that there was a conspiracy with this tech executive across multiple technology companies um, Yes, it's using a, it's just non-public real, data. Real quick, since your article has come out, he's been uh, it's been released that it's some character named Rodney uh, Joffe, I would imagine his name is pronounced yeah. Joffe, um, a cybersecurity um, expert. Um, not in your article, you mentioned, hey, Eric Schmidt or or Zach Voorhees yeah. uh, said, hey, well, it's Eric- funny because I actually I got I got headhunted for it a while back. I got headhunted for a job at his company. Um, which is literally right down the street from my uh, my apartment. <laughs> um, and, and so the and so you surmi- yeah. or in the article it was sur- it, it was uh, proposed that it could be Eric Schmidt with Alphabet and Google being the tech companies with yes. CrowdStrike being the third tech company. Which I still think CrowdStrike is the third tech company. But this Rodney Joffrey character, he kind of came out of left field. Uh, on a lot of people, I wouldn't say he's well known, yeah. and it's hard to understand his his role in this with with the tech companies that he could quote unquote put leverage on. Yeah, so uh, basically, I want to get too into the weeds with this, but um, it was clear that uh, whoever had basically whoever did this across three different companies, so one was a company that deals with DNS data and another one um, is owned by, is a subsidiary of it or something. And then a third uh, is a cybersecurity company. And this guy, you know, tech executive one, apparently this just Joffe guy, which it, it cl- it's clear that this is the guy because his lawyers um, have indeed confirmed that he's the guy um, uh, being He's the guy referred to 
because his lawyers have said like, hey, that indictment is total nonsense. It takes about a bunch of stuff out of context and it's it's not legit. Yeah. Like, you know, we're going to fight it, which, um, yeah, of course, the lawyers would say that. But like, yeah. Yeah. So it's this guy. Um, the reason why I and um, Zach Voorhees thought that it was Google is because the way it was described is you have, you know, one company and a subsidiary of that company. And then a third company, which is, you know, is has an investing relationship with the tech executive. It really sounded like Google yes. because of um, uh, DNS data. And uh, so DNS, the the easiest way I can explain it in a non-techie way, is it's like it's like a phone book for the internet. It's like a map for the internet. And there are um, different companies that maintain uh, registries of uh, the basically the the machine address of your computer and of websites uh, versus the um, you know the the names like you know like google.com nationalfile.com um, and Google maintains I believe like the the single like largest public DNS service on the planet so it made a lot of sense for this to be Google apparently yeah Newstar among Many things that it does is it has a um, uh, a major domain name registry that works with a bunch of uh, big corporate entities. So, and I'm going to help the people. Uh, I'm going to help the people. New Star is this Rodney Joffe's uh, company. Go ahead. Yes, which uh, apparently recently got sold. Which, uh, yeah, maybe maybe he realized the writing was on the wall. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's based uh, here in Northern Virginia, and it is. Uh, yeah, they, they do, from what I understand, um, uh, stress testing analytics, basically um, various software and services uh, designed to look at data, crunch data, and look at systems and make sure that systems are operating effectively and efficiently. And um, and also, they deal with a bunch of DNS stuff. They, they deal with um, basically phone books and maps to the internet for big corporate clients and the fact that these guys, like these guys, were um, you know weaponizing their their clients' data, um, and and you know for uh, so this this is where the limit limits of my um, tech nerdiness are showing, but I'm, I'm given to understand that if you know their client was say your bank, they would know when you're accessing your your bank, you know they they would. Uh, um, they would have um, they would have records of anybody you know looking up the address to you know your bank sure let's or, or vice versa let's call you them, know, if let's their call client them, they would have let's, sorry, go ahead. let's call them pings they they would have yeah, exactly. records of those pings and what happened was um, these this tech executive um, through these students and these other tech companies basically spoofed the pings. They spoofed the pings between oh, well, Trump Tower uh, and Alpha to be, Bank. All right, so to, to be uh, to be clear, um, that's that's not entirely clear. So um, I'm not sure if I was careful enough about this in my article, but uh, what what they basically did was there's this guy, um, uh, the the originator, they called him in the indictment, who came up with the idea because he was presumably a guy over at, at New Star or something who was looking at DNS data because he's a lunatic 
and just was like, oh, wow, there's suspicious activity between the Alpha Bank server and Trump's server. Trump's, and it's not a, a server that's connected to Trump's organization. It's a secret server that's communicating with Russia. Completely bat guano lunacy, right? Yeah. But the guy over at Newstar, like, he takes this crap seriously. And so he goes to Newstar, has them get a whole crap load of data. Um, and not just from his company, but from two other companies, one which it sounds like a subsidiary and another one which is a, uh, a, 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 a something he has an investment interest in or something like that, which is a cybersecurity something, uh, might be CrowdStrike. And these people get uncomfortable. And apparently they told the FBI, like, yeah, this is this really skewed this out because this this executive who, you know, the guy's kind of our boss comes in and says, like, yeah, I want you to give me a ton of data so I can mine it for dirt on Donald Trump. Um, he ends up instead of tasking his employees with doing this, he takes the data, takes it to a university. University is applying for um, some sort of like grant or contract with the federal government and he basically works out a deal with them where he's going to help them um, win the grant. And um, and it seems like it's implied that part of the deal was that they would have, you know, two of their researchers would go down this rabble hole with him investigating this uh, Alpha Bank crap. So, and they did uh, get the grant. Out. And they did get the grant. Yes. Yes. So, um, so specifically – they start like looking into this conspiracy theory and they find out to their chagrin, it was complete. You know, am I allowed to cuss here? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Horseshit, complete horseshit. And um, they were like, well, you know, this sucks. And one of the researchers said, well, one of the things we could do is we could just fake the pings and just fake the data to make it look like there's something nefarious going on. And then they could investigate further and then, you know, from there, like if if somebody serious keeps on digging, then eventually they might, you know, yada, yada, that kind of crap. Um, uh, then, then they might find something real. Um, it's not clear that they actually did that, though. They just talked about doing it. And then they um, so they talked to the tech executive about it. And the tech executive was like, well, you know, technically our VIPs. So. So it's one of the things that's funny now because his lawyers are saying like, oh, yeah, no, he had no idea that the lawyer that he was working with was working for the Clinton uh, campaign, which is ridiculous. Like if you read the indictment, you read the emails like it's, it's patently ridiculous because in an email he says that, you know, our VIPs want dirt on Trump. Basically, they're paraphrasing the VIPs want dirt on Trump. They don't and implied that they don't really care whether or not the dirt is true. Just that it's dirt. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, they say in the emails are like, well, you know, if there's dirt and it's not true, but it leads to an investigation that does find something true, then it'll be worth it and it'll be good and we'll have done a good thing. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's that's the general uh, gist of it. We don't know for sure that they intentionally created false evidence, but one of the things what they did do was they took this data and they put together a white paper where they argued that there was this secret Russia conspiracy thing, and they were admitting explicitly in emails with each other that it was nonsense, yeah. that it was completely false. And um, but, and they were talking about, like, how do we frame the argument so that somebody who doesn't actually understand the technology, who but who is generally a cybersecurity expert, would get fooled by it? And 
they they say like, yep, okay, looks like we would fool people. They said this in freaking emails. It's it is it's pretty black and white. They 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 may not have technically you know delivered fraudulent evidence, but they clearly intentionally misled the FBI in order to trigger a uh, spurious spurious federal investigation of the Trump campaign in the final days of the election. And it's clear, like, because the tech executive in an email, he says, like, the, the VIPs will be very happy with this. Who the hell are the VIPs? Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, who are the VIPs except for the Clinton campaign? It, it could. It, uh, because one of the things also in the indictment is that this, this specific guy bragged about how uh, he was um, told by the Clinton uh, Clinton world that he would have got the top security cybersecurity job uh, in D.C. if uh, if if Hillary had won, which, wow. you know, kind of like puts the lie to the idea that like he had no contact with the Clinton campaign. Yeah, that he was just completely innocent, you know, and it's motive, and just motive. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. And that and that's where we're at. And the subpoenas that were handed down today, I believe that digs into more of the information within Perkins Coie associated with Sussman, associated with this uh, line of investigation. So I, I appreciate the skepticism but we just don't know at this point. It does look like Durham might only go after these slam dunks and leave a lot on the table as far as grand conspiracy. But clearly he is laying it out. Um, even yes. If, even if that's that something I definitely grant you. Yeah. Is he, that it, it looks it looks like um, we can you know, we can't count on Durham to um, to to prosecute. Like anybody, the FBI who didn't got get caught, not not just like red handed, but like drenched in blood like that. That's what Klein Smith was. And even then he got a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Um, but OK. Yeah. So he's not going to prosecute actual corruption at the FBI, which is um, very, very obvious to anyone with a, a fair mind looking at it. Uh, he's definitely not prosecuting anyone in the Clinton camp, because uh, if he did, then uh, he'd be tarred and feathered in a minute. He'd be out of the Biden administration, uh, administration, you know, as soon as you drop your hat, like he'd be gone. Um, but at the very least, what he will most likely hopefully do, um, I will grant this, is that he will continue digging and continue putting out um, uh, information indictments that expose large undiscovered sections of the conspiracy so that we'll feel like maybe something's getting done. But honestly, man, I, I'm, I, I, it's, it's beyond this reporter instinct, really. What, what, where I'm at is I am, I'm tired of this, this nonsense where, where people are being encouraged to um, accept, to have hope in a process, which is fundamentally broken. Um, there needs to be i'm not i don't want people to be uh, in despair i don't want people to give up on voting uh, give up on like our democracy to give up on like justice i want people to be not 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 sad and depressed i want people to get pumped to get angry and to involved get something yeah and to get for instance like 80% of the republicans in washington who are silent right now to freaking talk about any of this crap right now. Um, this is, this is just the freedom caucus that's talking about 
any of it. The rest of the Republicans in Washington are completely just ass useless. And even even the Freedom Caucus isn't talking about, for instance, um, people who are obviously like innocent of anything beyond like misdemeanors being held in D.C. for months at a time, oh, sometimes sol- it's, solitary it's, confinement, it's terrible, completely nonviolent people. Yeah, it's terrible. And, and I don't yeah, know nobody's why talking about it except spe- for except for freaking Paul Gosar. And I don't know why they're not speaking up. I, it bothers me every day. I wanted to go to Washington, D.C. on January 6th. I didn't make it. It's all the way across the country. But I'm an advent- <laughs> I'm an adventurous kind of fellow. If I saw a large group going in a direction and I got pumped up and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's the people's house, I could see myself going inside. Would I, th- would I <laughs> what, then be, what, be jailed? All right, so have you heard of uh, Andrew White? He's one of my colleagues over at National File, and he actually does it you know, pretty much full-time. He's... Uh, He's a good kid. He's 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 a young young buck, but he's um he's very crackerjack, and people recognize him. That was something that's really cool going out. Like nobody recognizes me because I'm the guy with I'm the nuance bro, nuance bro black pill guy, and he's um uh he was kind of edgy and he he was uh, picking up a lot of the Q vibes back uh, in the aftermath of the election. I was telling him like, no, I'm sorry, dude. Like I'm I'm looking into the stuff. Like it's it's BS. Like it's 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 crap. He was telling me just recently, he's like, dude, you were so right about things. I hate to admit it, but you're so right. And also he's like, dude, you saved my life. Like you, cause I was, a, he was about to go into the Capitol building. And I told him like, do not do it. No matter what you do, do not go into the Capitol building. You will get grabbed up. The feds will get you. Wow. All yeah, right. Yeah. So I was, by the way, I was there on one six. Um, I, I think we, we've hit, you know, We've hit the our limit for this evening, but uh, there, I'm, I'm going to I'm I'm hold you for one more thing, one more thing, because it, there's something we didn't discuss that's that's mm-hmm. tangential to this Durham, and it's that it's that other agency, CIA and the Five Eyes, yeah. and their part in this Spygate episode. Um, I keep looking, and John Brennan hasn't tweeted on Twitter since May. <laughs> um, you know, is there a possibility? Uh, we've already determined that you are very skeptical. Is there a possibility that there is a parallel investigation going that might be secret, that might be military, that's uh, working in conjunction with Durham? Uh, there's, there's no nothing military. Okay. No, I mean, come on, man. Like, if you look at, look at freaking General Milley. Look at him talking, you know, on Capitol Hill. That that spineless coward. Um, that 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 piece of shit. I'm sorry. There, there's definitely 150 billion percent zero zero military stuff going on that is helping any patriot cause. Um, the FBI, like, you know, looking into the CIA, like maybe. Maybe, but honestly, I doubt it. I mean, they they might be looking into it. They might be, you know, turning over some rocks. Um, And like I said before, all of the tools are there. Um, From everything we know right now, everything that's public. It's all very, it's clearly laid out. It's clearly laid out. It's clear that crimes were committed. And if someone, you know, uh, if if the situations were reversed, if the the party affiliations were reversed, Democrats would oh. prosecute the hell out of this stuff. Um, yeah, just none of that's happened. It's possible, man. It's it, the the door is kind of open, but really, what we need to do, and this is something that some Republicans are starting to call for, like we need to uh, we need to abolish the CIA and start from scratch. We need to abolish the CIA and the NSA 
and start a new intelligence agency from scratch because that's where we are right now. That's how corrupted our institutions have become. Um, and, you know, the other thing is like, you know, feds, you know, federal bureaucrats, they're impossible to fire. Like at this point, they have become so stacked with full-blown freaking communists and fascists. Like there, there's no way that the regular bureaucratic process can solve this problem. These, these entities need to be destroyed and then rebuilt. We need to repeal and replace the CIA if we want to see real reform. Uh, by the way, it also it looks like, um, and this is something that I've I, the impression that I've gotten from years of digging through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents um, relating to Spygate. It looks like um, two two factors played into this. Uh, one is MI6. Yes. So MI6 did us dirty. And it seemed like uh, Gina Haspel was in on it. Yes, she was uh, the which, station, you know, course, chief, station chief uh, in London at the time. Yes, and Trump appointee. Great. Just that was freaking great. So bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, yeah, that's that's just where we're at in in um, in our, our country where Donald Trump gets elected and probably a woman who, you know, I believe personally, I don't know this for a fact, I believe personally was in on the conspiracy to effectively commit a coup um she gets you know he he freaking nominates her like um a special person whatever that's life um but so that's one thing is uh, mi6 looks like mi6 did us dirty and it looks like also mi6 was really freaked out about it for a hot minute they were really really freaked out about how they did us dirty and then they realized that literally nobody in washington is what was motivated to uncover the dirt. And so they've just been sitting pretty since then. That's one thing. The other thing um, is uh, Matt Taibbi has done some really good reporting on this stuff. Uh, one of the things that um, he did a great interview or not an interview. I, he gave space on his, uh, his, his page to um, this guy um, who is a Republican who, uh, I, I don't know, he was involved in some, you know, intelligence committee, whatever crap. Uh, he got, uh, yeah, he, he was uh, working as an academic in the UK, and he got involved with um, this Christopher, with, with Christopher Steele and with this other guy, the um, the uh, Glenn FBI Simpson? CIA source guy. Glenn Simpson? No, 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 no. Um, it's this other cat. I uh, can't believe it. Deschenko? Denchenko? No, 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 no. Um, so this is a British um, intelligence guy, I think retired. Who, Dear Love? Um, Richard um, Dear Love? I don't think it was Dear Love. No, no. So this is the guy who was working for the Office of Net Assessment. Okay. Which, oh, 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 so no. he was basically, oh, yes, yes. The fat, the, he's just, oh, he's terribly obese. What is his name? Gosh darn. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the uh, the fat, uh, you know, Office of Net Assessment. <laughs> so, yeah, yes. the, the Office of Bullshit Paperwork, where you get paid to be a spy and like you just every couple of years, you just write some inane paperwork about some stupid crap nobody cares about and nobody will ever read it. But here you go. Here's a check. And it's it's for your your paperwork. I promise. Yeah. Halper. Um, Halper. Halper. Yeah, exactly. Stephen so, Halper. Um, so it looks like basically a, a bunch of this, the Trump Russia conspiracy was just cobbled together on the fly, not just by Clintonistas, but also 
by uh, essentially these private intelligence contractors, this good old boy network of Ivy League fucksticks and, you know, Oxford, you know, whatever, um, MI6 fucksticks who um, were, you know, they have certain political proclivities and they have certain institutional allegiances, but also they were grifting. And uh, so that was apparently the the um, trigger behind the fingering of Carter Page as this you know Russian spy, whatever, is because he just showed up to a conference, and uh, this Hopper guy just kind of was like, okay, yeah, he seems like a good guy to frame. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. that's that's essentially what um, what this uh, whistleblower who spoke to Taibbi said. And of course, yeah, nobody talks about this stuff because we're all in information silos. But yes, um, it. This uh, illuminates an other, another painful reality about how fucked our country is, is that um, the CIA, the NSA, you know, military intelligence, like, you know, half of our intelligence work isn't even done by government agents anymore. It is um, outsourced to various contractors um, who operate in really special, you know, gray areas and private military companies and defense contractors. And there's this, you know, incestuous web of relationships with Biden, which by the way, New Star, I'm given to understand New Star was a spinoff of Lockheed Martin, which, you know, makes among other things, you know, fighter jets and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that, that is, that's the state of Washington Washington isn't just something that you could like walk in as president and change because Washington isn't, you know, a constitutional republic anymore. What it is, it's an incestuous nest of bureaucrats who can never be fired that are just permanently there. And, you know, the revolving door between them and major corporations that have a enough of a significant stake in our military and governmental decisions that we can't even win a war uh, after 20 years against a pack of literal like goat molesting tribesmen in Asia. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let you go because I keep saying I'm going <laughs> to let you go and, and then I'll, I'll ask uh, a question and, and you like to go. Really nice talking with you, AJ. Um, right back at you, Jay. I, I yeah. am going to catch you on a bright day when you are filled with hope and optimism. <laughs> On that day, I'm going to have you back. All right, sure. Well, also, like, I actually, um, yeah, remind me, because I, I would absolutely be pumped to to tell you about what actually happened on 1-6. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you that uh, if I finally get the article that I've been trying to, you know, hit send on for the past eight, nine months, if I get that published, I'm going to be very happy indeed. And you'll be the first guy I talk to. We'll keep working on it, and uh, and thank you. I'll be watching out on Twitter, uh, and I will give uh, places where people can find you. And you've got to talk to your editor to get this darn link put into your bio. He's uh, <laughs> AJ Cook on Twitter at AJ Cook with an E seventeen seventy six. All right, AJ, have a good night. All right, God bless you, Jay. You take care. 
Let's be friends. We're all on this cosmic spaceship together. Subscribe and share the Conservative Hippie Podcast. Visit our sponsors, SmokinJays.com. Everything for your smoking lifestyle. StonerHoroscopes.com. Adora Zen dishes cosmic vibes for the stoner at heart. KickFromTheSpot.com. Soccer is American.